You're listening. You're listening to a University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky. College of Arts and Sciences podcast. The choice is clear, and the choice rests with you. A couple of weeks ago, University of Kentucky student Patrick O'Dowd had the chance to attend 2012's one and only vice presidential debate. Held at Kentucky's own Center College in Danville, he was able to experience what many only get to see on television every four years. As a political junkie and an English major hoping to pursue a career in writing, O'Dowd used this chance to attend the debate as an opportunity to hone skills he hopes to employ throughout his life. But even beyond that, attending the debate was a chance to look behind the curtain of national American politics. So last week, you got a chance to go to Summit College to um, go experience the chaos in the VP debate. Tell me about how you got to do that. Well, I've been looking to get into writing more and more, and over the summer, I had the chance to intern at a local alt-weekly newspaper called Ace Weekly here in Lexington. And after a, a long summer of interning and free labor, my reward was the chance to go to the vice presidential debate at Center College. What was the debate setup itself like? The debate format itself was kind of a round table where both of the candidates sat down, Biden and Paul Ryan, with the moderator kind of sitting there much closer together than they were in the first presidential debate where they were very much far apart. And I think some of that was probably what contributed to the lackluster kind of reviews of the debate, even beyond just the individual candidates' performances, the fact that they were so removed left them kind of disengaged from one another. And with this setting, they were very much closer to one another and had to kind of acknowledge their presence in the room. So where were you when the debate was happening? I was a building over in the Center College gymnasium. And you're in there, and that's on the first floor. And that's where there were probably close to, like I said, 500 some odd journalists there. When you walk out that door, you can go upstairs to go to the second level gymnasium. And up there was where uh, Spin Room was, or Spin Alley. Up there, all the TV stations are set up around the perimeter as well, shooting out. And they have all the anchors from the different stations there. And in each corner, both the Romney and Obama campaign had their own little corner set up for their surrogates to kind of hang out in or slash congregate for when they needed to be pulled from. There's just lots of people milling around. And when you go up there, even before the debate, you could just be walking around and pull a senator aside or a congressman aside. It was just interesting to see that dynamic beforehand as well and everyone getting ready and prepping and kind of like organizing who's hearing the different reporters say, well, I have you here and trying to set up with their staffers and set up this lineup of the kind of the litany of different people from each campaign that they're going to have as soon as the debate's over and making sure that they don't get stolen by some other organization first. So explain surrogates because you've used that word a couple of times. Surrogates are people who the campaign will bring in to, a, to an event like this to kind of speak on their behalf, kind of advocate their points. For this debate, it, it seemed, I think the estimate was there was about 27 different surrogates for the Romney-Ryan campaign and about 11 total for the Obama-Biden campaign, which is weird for that disparity there. But each one of these surrogates that they bring in, whether they be like a representative, uh, a senator, a governor, or just people from the campaign staff themselves or advisors to the campaigns, they come in and they each kind of have their own specialty. Some of them are more broad surrogates where they'll just talk about whatever you kind of ask. But they'll bring in people that are 
have an emphasis in foreign policy. And so if you want to get the campaign's perspective on what's going on in Libya, you go to that person and they kind of have the, the depth of knowledge where they can kind of speak for the campaign about Libya, about foreign policy, and whatever they say is kind of representative of the campaign itself. So tell me about the people that you got to talk to. Well, when I first got there, it was one of those situations where you're a little just a bit starstruck because you're, you're seeing all the different national reporters you read every day or see on TV every day or the congressmen or senators or governors that they're interviewing every day. And eventually you just kind of have to get over that and just realize they're there to be spoken to. That's the only reason they're there. So you just walk up to them and ask a question and introduce yourself and just go from there and they'll stop and they'll, they'll talk to you. And most of the people I actually got to interview were um, surrogates or representatives of the Romney campaign just because they were there in a much greater number. Congressman Chaffetz, which is, he's kind of part of this new Tea Party kind of movement that's kind of swept into Congress in the past handful of years. And he's one of the more outspoken, kind of firebrand kind of representatives that very much has supported Romney, but he's also the branch of the party that is pressuring him to kind of be more conservative and move away from his kind of history as a Massachusetts governor. On the other hand, I also interviewed uh, Senator John Thune, and he's much more of the kind of old school Republican moderate. And uh, what do you make of this debate tonight? Well, you know, I think this is a, I think this is a an opportunity, obviously, for the vice presidential candidates to get in there and mix it up. And there's there's clearly uh, significant differences in terms of uh, the ideas about how to lead the country. And my view, at least, uh, I think Paul Ryan's going to be very prepared. He's he's very disciplined. He does the hard work, uh, and he really knows policy. And I hope there's a lot of substance uh, in this debate tonight. And I think that policy differences will come come out. And it's going to give the answer. So he has a kind of a different take on his understanding of what the Romney campaign needs to do. They'll say the same thing, but in the actual language and words that they use, there's clearly a difference because they have different audiences and they're diff from different parts of the party. Yeah, so after the debate, you got to go up into the spin room and kind of witness that. <laughs> yeah. Was it pure chaos? Definitely. Right as the debate ended, you could kind of see everyone shutting down their laptops and kind of like gathering their microphones, pens and papers, and it was just a mad rush up the stairs, out of, out of the gymnasium, up the stairs and in there. Once you're up there, there's just dozens of surrogates from each campaign, and they have college students who hold these big kind of signs that just say their name, and what, some of them are red, some of them are blue and you just kind of run up to them and start asking questions. And one of the people there was David Axelrod, who's the head of the Obama campaign. If you've ever gotten an email from the Obama campaign, half of them are from David Axelrod. I think there's a large audience tonight. I think the vice president made a, a, a robust case uh, for uh, uh, this administration for a, uh, an economic policy that has at its core uh, rebuilding the middle class rather than the kind of top-down, uh, uh, trickle-down And you go over to the other side of the hall and squeeze in next to this person, and it's Rance Priebus, who's the head of the RNC, the Republican National Committee, and he's talking about how disrespectful Biden was and how he was laughing and how he's not a serious candidate. Now here's another question I have, the, the uh, migration back and forth of these things. Like, is there any rhyme or reason to it? Because, like, like, some people are moving towards the TV stations, but I think there's, like, it's, it's just kind of this, like, churning, like... 
it's like this. It's, yeah, I think it's just trying to get away from certain. They're trying to get away from certain reporters and then like maybe attract others or something like that. Oh, absolutely. It's like this weird mating dance kind of deal. You don't, want, you don't want to be seen alone. You don't want, you want to get away from like the people. Who've been During all of this, you're just being jostled around. One of the people I was with actually described it as they call it the spin room because everyone in there is spinning their tail of how the debate went. But really, you're also just like spinning around in the room itself because you're just kind of circulating madly as like the people you're interviewing are also trying to get away from you to some extent. So they just kind of start walking and you're following them and then people kind of trail off and you start off in one corner and you end up in the opposite. And it's just very disorienting. Do you have any like just reactions or, or thoughts on getting to go or like things that passed through your head while you were there that were sort of like unexpected or? Well, getting the chance to go there was phenomenal because it's always been, I for for as long as I've been kind of cognizant of what I want to do, politics has always been a part of it. And I started off as a political science major before I became an English major. And uh, so just being there was kind of like a dream come true kind of a situation just because I was, you feel like you're surrounded by your people, like for once. It's just, it's like a cool feeling because everyone there is just as interested in what's going on as you are. And while I was there, I mean, I just really had the sensation of like, I want to do more of this getting to do this kind of stuff, covering things like this, you do get to have a, an impact, you do get to write and affect change in your own way by by being a journalist, um, which is obvious, but sometimes in the, the rush to worry about jobs and careers and everything, you kind of forget the actual power that you have and the access that you have and the responsibility that comes with that. And while I didn't have any of that burden this time around, I would love to be in a position to have that burden in the future. Thanks for listening, and thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences, the Department of English, and Lexington newspaper Ace Weekly for making this podcast possible.